Bits and Bricks. Welcome to Bits and Bricks, a podcast about all things LEGO Group. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at the rich history of the LEGO brand and chat with designers, thought leaders, and innovators who all work for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the LEGO Group. First of all, plants are, I like to say plants are almost everything. Only recently in the last 10 years have scientists been able to kind of weigh the total mass of all the living things on the planet, and 80% of the living things on the planet are plants. Not only that, but plants have this just miraculous ability to take sunlight and convert it to energy and then into chemical energy that other organisms can use, right? And this is the famous process of photosynthesis, and life on Earth would not be possible without it. That's Ari Novi, the president and CEO of the San Diego Botanic Garden. And you may be thinking right now, wait, isn't this a podcast about Lego bricks? What's that have to do with plants? It turns out a lot, actually, at least with this particular episode, where we are diving deep into what has become a Lego theme favorite, botanicals. Now, if you have somehow missed out on these relatively new, absolutely gorgeous sets, the botanical collection kicked off in 2021 and includes an ever-growing number of sets that allow you to create intricately detailed displays of flowers. And it all started with a humble flower bouquet. But today, you can make orchids, succulents, birds of paradise, even an amazing flowering bonsai tree with these sets. And they have exploded in popularity thanks to a mix of masterfully creative design and a seemingly constant love of flowers. Which brings us back to Ari. He's the resident botanist of the episode who will help guide us through the living side of the botanical collections as we spend time with many of the LEGO designers who crafted many of them using all kinds of LEGO elements from frogs, car parts, and demogorgons, talk about the early use of plants and flowers in LEGO sets, and even hear from the original inspiration for that first ever botanical collection, the flower bouquet. We also managed to grab some time with Jamie Berard, who heads up the LEGO Group's initiative to pull in more adults to this wonderful hobby under the Icon label. You may also know Jamie Berard from a little show called LEGO Masters. This all new season of LEGO Masters is bigger, tougher, taller, trickier, doggier. Amy and Jamie are back again. In the show, of course, Jamie helps host a weekly competition alongside the hilarious Will Arnett and LEGO senior design master, Amy Corbett. Oh, right, that too. But before we dive into the absolutely fascinating history of these colorful sets, I'd like to get back to Ari, who helps us understand why botanic gardens are a thing and why plants and flowers are so important to humanity on so many different levels. The first botanic gardens popped into existence, at least as best as we can tell from history, in the Renaissance. And they were really offshoots of some of the first scientific efforts to utilize and systematize plant knowledge in order to combat disease. This began in Europe. They were about taking plant collections to look at what plants could do, what 
chemicals do they produce? If you prepare them in certain ways, can they cure disease? Can they help humans live better? And essentially, our mission has not changed. We've just expanded the scope of how we look at plants. And so just like a museum, we have this collection, but every day we have people coming to the garden. And they're coming to the garden to learn gardening, to learn how to better care for their orchids or their cut flowers or their shrubs and bushes, or how to plant a vegetable garden or harvest or prune their fruit trees at home. Or just to learn about plants and be in nature and take a walk you know, with people in an environment where that's not only beautiful and full of nature, but also has a little signage and some education programs and things like that that give a little extra knowledge about what plants are and what they do. Just as they are in the real world, botanicals have long been important to Lego toys. And plants have been depicted in Lego sets for decades, long before the Lego Botanical Collection launched in 2021. Zina Visa, Lego Group corporate historian at the Lego Idea House in Bill in Denmark, said the earliest plant life found in a Lego set actually predates the modern Lego brick. The very first time that we saw plant elements, which were basically trees, was in 1955 with the introduction of the Lego town plan. This early Lego city thing we started doing in 1955. The town plan is very much like what we know from Lego City today. So it's a town environment. There would be houses and roads and cars and people and all that. And of course, if you're designing a town, then I guess trees and plants is also a natural thing to have there. So the first trees were these almost two-dimensional. They were flat and they were molded plastic trees. And there wouldn't be any way to attach them. So they would just be standing freely on this big board where you would have the houses and the roads and so on. So they were these pretty simple two-dimensional hand-painted trees, actually. Sina says you can divide Lego plant and tree elements into three groups. Those two-dimensional trees from 1955. Then in 1960, those trees start to include a base so that you can attach them to Lego bricks. And then finally, in 1974, we start to see the three-dimensional molded trees you see today. There are all of the different trees and bushes and so on. And then in the late 1970s, in 1976, 77, the first flowers were introduced. You know, those where you have like three sticks and there's a flower on each top of them. Those arrived in the late 70s. And of course, those are seen in thousands of Lego sets today. As far as I can tell, the way it's done in the botanical collection is very different from what we've seen before because it is the actual plant itself that is the main character. I try to sort of look into it and I can see a couple of interesting sets. Like for instance, in, uh, was that back in 2019, we launched the Lego Ideas treetop house. So this is of course also a tree in itself. And it was a really interesting set because it was one of the first sets where we used a lot of those sustainable sourced Lego bricks. But still, it's different from the actual tree being the main character because in the treetop house, you would have people living there and there were houses in the trees and all that. So I think when you look at it, then it is a very different way of using botanical elements. Why the LEGO group decided to try its hands at creating a set built around life-sized flowers is really wonderful. As you might suspect, 
People who work at the Lego Group love playing with the bricks. What that means is that you'll always find personal builds sitting around just about every inch of the Billund campus. And if you remember, Brian, right, during our visit last year, we were constantly spotting colorful little creations tucked away in surprising places, like a monkey leaning against a tree in the foyer of one of the campus offices, or a half dozen mini bunnies sitting outside in a patch of dirt near an entrance. Yeah, it's in this environment, this sort of Willy Wonka factory of creativity and brick building, where Astrid Christensen finds herself working as an apprentice as part of the ATE team, which launched decades ago to assist employees with specific working requirements. Astrid first got involved with ATE because she has autism. Now, she was part of the video that introduced the Lego flower bouquet, and we're gonna hear a little bit of that here so we can hear her voice, but she wasn't comfortable being recorded in English for our podcast. So instead, we chatted with her via email with the help of her boss, Inga Nielsen. We then asked a voice actor to read her answers for the podcast. You can hear Astrid's voice here in Danish, and she tells us she lucked into the job after a Lego employee happened to see a model that Astrid made of her neighbor's house. She was so amazed and wanted me to have an internship at the Lego group, but unfortunately, there was a hiring freeze at the time. She then reached out to Inge Nielsen, and she gave me an internship. Shortly after joining the Lego group, her co-workers couldn't help but notice that Astrid had a talent for making these amazing, colorful, lifelike flowers out of Lego elements. The first bouquet she made was for her boss, Inga, in 2019. It wasn't long until word started to spread about her creations. There was a photo shoot just before our family days here at the Lego group, and I was building flowers at that point. They zoomed in on every detail. When people saw the video for the family days, they reached out to my manager and our task team to ask if they could get some flowers. Soon, Astrid was making bouquets for her co-workers' birthdays and other special occasions. Eventually, Astrid's work caught the eye of the Icons team, who were already playing around with the idea of turning another Lego group in-house favorite into a set, the bonsai tree. It's an amazing confluence of several things. This is Lego senior design manager Jamie Burrard. Because Nico created these beautiful bonsai trees just as a passion project. And they really caught on within our building to the point that he was giving them as gifts to people, that they were just showing up around the area. So they're one of the more prolific sets that everybody seemed to have one. So that definitely sparked our interest that they were something nice there. But then also Astrid was making flowers. We also have a lot of gift-giving opportunities within the company that we were having people like Astrid that were making flowers as gifts to give to our colleagues. And so... Once you start seeing these things all around you, you can't help but get inspired and say, is there an interest in this outside of our building? So we decided to start testing some of these things. And we actually brought the flower bouquet and we brought the bonsai to a test and actually checked with consumers and said, hey, how do you feel about this? And much to our surprise, people just love them. And they love them for so many different reasons. Men and women alike, 50-50, actually were drawn to them. Some of them didn't even necessarily have to like the flowers. They just like building them and were hoping to give them to somebody else. While other people said, I can perfectly see those in my house and it just shows that extra spark of life. So what's something that started with an emotional gift within our company actually translated really well into the general market that people wanted to share that same experience at home. But there was something else going on while people were passing these sets around campus and product testing was proving their popularity. The Lego group was actively researching how to expand their audience. Jamie explains. 
So for many years, the Lego company has been making lots of products for kids. But those kids eventually grow up. And we found that over time, we had a very dedicated group of adult Lego fans, people that are just passionate about the brand and just come together to make amazing stuff. But what we didn't realize is how many rings around that group existed, where if just prompted, if just given permission, there are actually many more adults that also were searching for a Lego experience. They just needed to know it existed and actually that they had permission to do it. So the adults line with our current execution is actually for the first time really telling adults across the world First of all, that these products exist, but then also making a broad enough range of them that there's one product for everyone. We're trying to do so many different things that adults should find something that connects with their passion in at least one of our products. And so far, we've shown that once they get that entry product, they usually very much enjoy the experience and then want to find even more. The line Jamie is talking about here is now called Lego Icons, and it includes some amazing sets like the Transforming Optimus Prime, the Atari 2600, uh, Chevrolet Camaro Z28, the Eiffel Tower, the Titanic, the Coliseum. And the Botanical Collection. And now the Botanical Collection. So the Botanical Collection is like our favorite child within the adults range. Here's Jamie again. Because it's just excited so many adults. It shows Lego bricks, Lego creations in a new way that feels fresh, that just surprises people. And they do a double take. They have to just almost smile and go, is that really made out of Lego bricks? And then once they see it's made out of car parts, it's made out of whips and crazy elements, they just see the creativity that is inherent in what we do. And they get excited by it. It sparks a little bit of curiosity. And then they build it and hopefully fall in love with it and then get hooked. Ethan, are you into flowers at all? I mean, do you grow them around your place in Vienna? Um, not as much. We're in a small apartment, but we are starting a garden in the countryside. So maybe soon? That's so cool. I love flowers. Every Mother's Day, my wife and I actually spend the day expanding the garden around our house in New York. We have these little gardens dedicated to hummingbirds and bees. Uh, we have another one designed with low-lying plants to help absorb some of the rainfall that tends to pull in areas of, of our yard. And personally... I am a huge fan of the dahlia. I buy a new type every year and I plant it. Most of them tend to survive the winter, which is amazing. But, you know, they're just so pretty and diverse. Yeah, and I imagine it's relaxing too. Yeah, you know, tending to the garden, I think is fine. But just looking at those flowers, appreciating them really puts me at ease. Yeah, it's funny because one of the things people say about the Lego botanicals is just that, that they find it very relaxing to build these sets and display them. Ari from the San Diego Botanic Garden actually humored us here a little bit and talked to us about the perceived psychological impact of plants on people and why that may be. I don't want to endorse this, but just for the, for the fun of the conversation, because I think it is very hard to really understand why we see all these physiological, you know, real physiological effects and psychological effects of plants on humans. But what evolutionary psychologists tend to talk about is that Humans have evolved together with plants in a way that our brains have become programmed, for lack of a better term, to look at them very positively, right? So unlike certain animals, plants don't try to eat us, right? So we don't have much of a fight or flight response to seeing a plant. Also, plants form the base, if not most of the food that we eat in most cultures that humans have developed in. And so 
there's clearly you know, a need for humans to seek out plants. And when we find them, to feel really good about that because it often meant, oh, you know, we have food here, or we have food for the animals that we keep domesticate. Or I live in Southern California where you have this very dry summer and moist winters, but in some years the winters, you know, the rains fail, and that's a horrible thing for humans. So like the greening of the hills in Southern California is like everybody looks at it and goes, oh, thank God we have enough water. And so maybe over time, as humans evolved in these different locations with these different relationships where we had to depend upon plants and plants were signifying whether or not there was food for the animals that we ate or there was enough water to carry us through the next year, the presence of plants, that greenness, the the colors of the fruit that attract us, they've all become incredibly positive. They're things that we seek out, that we want, and that make us feel like, oh, we're going to be okay. And so the evolutionary psychology idea is that that is so ingrained within human beings after our hundreds of thousands, millions of years of of co-evolving with the plants that sustain us, that just by seeing a plant, that it brings us tremendous psychological well-being that's essentially hardwired into you know the human operating system. Wow, you know, that's really fascinating. And it actually touches on something that Jamie Burrard told us they discovered about their Lego sets designed for adults. I think intrinsic in the the formula, so to speak, of an adult offering is that people do really enjoy that escape that feeling of they can have moments of concentration. It can be challenging, but they also want to have the reward. They want to have that this was worth it. And then have those moments of flow where they actually feel they know what's going on. And when we get that formula right, that they actually get a degree of confidence, are thrown off just enough, but then brought back in with some sort of a celebration, I think that's something that we're striving for with all of our adults' products. And I'd say even within the kids' offerings, for a kids' experience, we also equally try to curate the experience so that way what's right for their age we try to do but with adults in particular it is this escapism they do want to in their crazy hectic busy world have this moment that if they follow the instructions it just works and they learn something but they also have this tactile i created something when so much of the world is digital or abstract or just it evaporates they can spend hours and hours in a day and have nothing to show for it they can invest a little bit of time in this moment and be proud to have something to share and really feel they got something from it. And Ari also pointed out that in the case of plants, they are also packed with meaning and emotion for people. We always get surprised when people seek out the garden because they've been through something tough in their life. Somebody who they love has passed away, and they come to the garden, and a plant reminds them of that person. Sometimes because that person was a gardener and they cultivated this plant and that reminds them. But sometimes, you know, we personify things. Someone goes, oh, this oak, this oak tree, it just makes me think of my grandmother. She was a strong person and the oak symbolizes that. We see that all the time. But also there's another layer of meaning in plants that we've been exploring a lot recently as well, which is the idea of the plants as witnesses to history. And so we've been at San Diego Botanic Garden. We have a collaboration with the Botanic Garden and groups in Hiroshima, Japan, they are sending us the seeds of these trees that survived the atomic bombing in Hiroshima, Japan. And then we grow them on and we have them in our garden and we're happy to provide them to other, especially nonprofit type public garden institutions. And then you tell that story and you say, hey, this plant is the descendant of a plant that witnessed this crazy, horrible stuff that humans did, but also is a symbol of hope. You know, we had this horrible war. So many people were killed, the horrors of the atomic bomb, but these plants survived, like the people survived and built back their city. And that is emotional. And we did this year in August for the anniversary of the bombing, we did a ceremony 
led by some of our colleagues from Japan about how they commemorate this and how they use the plants to commemorate this. And that was an incredibly powerful event for the people who attended. What's really neat is that someone like Aria, a botanist who runs the San Diego Botanic Gardens and whose life is focused on the study and preservation of plants, looks at the Lego element flower creations by the Lego group and sees something wonderful and meaningful. Lego bricks are just amazing toys. And, you know, I know from being a kid, whether I was kind of learning the fundamentals of architecture by accident, by building whatever my fantasy buildings were out of Lego bricks, or getting a Lego Technic set and starting to be kind of introduced to some concepts of engineering and kinetics, I think it's the same. I mean, I think there's just something about the Lego products that excite people and get them deep. And anything that can pull people into a greater understanding and and interest in plants, to me, is just unqualifiably a positive and wonderful thing. And I think that the Lego Botanical Collection is able to achieve that. So we're doing something fun here. We asked Ari to give us his thoughts about each of the real-world inspirations for some of the Lego Botanical Collection sets we're talking about today. Let's start with the bouquet. I love that the decision was made to include cut flowers. I come from a florist family. I'm a fourth-generation florist. And I think it's really exciting that cut flowers are looked at botanically because they really are. What I like about the idea of the cut flowers is that not only do you have to put together the flowers from the Lego bricks, but also then you get to arrange the flowers, right? So you have all these different traditions from all over the world of not only getting the cut flowers, but then arranging them in some sort of a way that people find aesthetically pleasing or symbolic. And you get to do that with this Lego set, and I think that that's really exciting. Of course, as we talked about earlier, the bouquet was one of the first sets released by the Lego group, thanks in part to the work Astrid was doing, creating them for coworkers in Billund. And when it came time to churn her passion project into a retail set, the Lego group churned to Lego design manager Anderson Ward-Grubb. I think the flowers in particular were something that was in the air, as it were, in our organization. There was a emerging sense that this would be a cool consumer product. We formed the new, what we call it, the adult strategy, which was the big push to start expanding our offering to adults. And suddenly, flowers, which didn't really have a home before, they didn't really make sense in any product category, suddenly made sense. All those things kind of came together at the same time. It was 2019, and the bouquet became Anderson's first product. He said he requested to work on its design because he liked how eclectic Lego elements could be used to create organic shapes. So he gets to work on the design and eventually gets connected with Astrid. We wanted to make sure we gave an opportunity for her to come in both to enjoy the development process, learn a little bit about it, and then comment and explore a little bit of the final product with us. So that meant in practice two things, one of which was I picked a few flowers where I thought, I think this would look nice in the bouquet that we're developing. I haven't figured out how to build it yet. Come build that with me. Let's figure that out. And that resulted in the Astra flower. She was the one who provoked the technique of using these little Lego brick leaf pieces to create the aster. And then the second thing she did was help me with the arrangement. I'm not a florist. And she has some insight into that. So we sat and just like a real florist, played around with putting Lego flowers in and out of the vase and the color balance and sizes and impressions and just seeing what worked. So she had some influence on the final composition of it as well. Astrid said she first heard about the in-development set in October of 2019 when she was asked to help out. I was in the innovation house with a colleague who translated everything for me. 
Anderson and I built a flower together, and I helped him pick out the flowers and colors for the first set. Anderson said the initial concept for the bouquet was a bit messy with a a mix of pink and purple flowers, but it was enough to validate that people would be into the idea. I think there was a concept built to introduce some of the early expression, for instance, of roses that ended up being in the final model. There was some very fun use of Lego parts in that, including car hoods as petals and the uh, dinosaur wings as leaves. So there were some funny bits already in play there as a concept model, but it was still pretty loose. And from that point when I said, okay, I'm going to do the bouquet, I, I think I explored maybe seven or eight other types of flowers and iterations of how to build those different flowers. To ensure that the flowers would work together and look nice, Anderson turned to another expert at the company for help. I worked very closely with a woman who is the creative lead for Lego Art. Her name is Fiorella Groves. And she is really good on trends and insights and just interior design. She uh, gave me a lot of pointers. And I remember the, the best part was I showed her some photos of real bouquets that I'd found. I thought, oh, these would be great inspiration. And they all tended to come from sites where you might buy a bouquet as a gift for somebody. And they were super saturated, heavy color, really bright. And in the politest way possible, she basically told me, don't do that. <laughs> and dial it back. And I think that actually, that give and take that we had, me working on it from the more Lego element side, how do we build these? How do we pull this composition together? And her input into, here's the color, here's the sense of style we're going for, even showing me this is the kind of images of interiors we might expect people to want to put these in. That collaboration worked out really, really well. So I have a feeling in the end, the bouquet is still a little more colorful than Fee might have liked, but it's less colorful than I thought I would like. So we wound up in this happy middle place that seems to have worked out okay. The hope, once the set was released, was that people might place their creations in a vase and put them in their homes. But the reality, Anderson said, exceeded their expectations. What I think we didn't expect was that people would use it in their weddings. I've even seen people say that they gave it as a gift for funerals for losses of loved ones. They've used it in all kinds of celebrations, just in very personal ways where even I would be like, you wanted Lego flowers in your wedding? Wow, and I love Lego products. But we made something that people feel comfortable with. It takes it out of this realm of perception of as toy. It still shocks me in a great way that people would want Lego flowers in their wedding in these personal moments that are so important in their lives. The Lego Botanical Collection officially hit stores in 2021 with two sets, the Lego Flower Bouquet and the Bonsai Tree. Here's Ari on the Bonsai Tree. So bonsai is a specifically Japanese tradition of miniaturizing trees. There's an analogous tradition in China called penjing. Basically, it's taking what are primarily temperate woody trees and miniaturizing them and doing that through a variety of techniques, including root pruning, sort of sculpting the plant as it grows, both through pruning and even sometimes through wiring. And it's this amazing art form where you have these small trees that have the same proportions of a giant tree and can live for hundreds, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And in some traditions, they are cared for by many generations of the same family or the same institution or sort of a a school of masters of the art and science of bonsai. Like the bouquet set, the Lego bonsai tree started life as an in-house design by one person. Soon, it grew so popular, it was dotting the tables of employees all over the Lego campus in Billund, Denmark. 
So when I originally started working at the Lego Group in 2014, I was working as a junior designer on the Lego Ninjago project. This is Nico Voss, an experienced design manager specialist at the Lego Group. It was super exciting because I was coming from a fan background. I used to build a lot of Lego models for myself using a fairly limited collection of Lego bricks that I had at home. So when I moved to Berlin, Denmark and started working as a Lego designer, there was this really exciting aspect of I suddenly had access to as many Lego bricks as I could possibly imagine. So during the evenings, I would often spend time just building models that I sort of had always hoped to be able to make and now had the bricks to do so. One of the things that I made was a bonsai tree for the Ninjago project area. It was reasonably big, but it was really, really fun to try and capture organic shapes with relatively geometric Lego pieces. That was really fun to make, and people liked it in the area. So I decided to make a smaller version that could fit on a desk. That original, bigger model was about three times the size of the version that Nico created for desks. And those smaller creations didn't always look the same or even stay the same. Occasionally, he'd update the design, or one would get knocked over, and he would rebuild it in a different way. While they were becoming exceptionally popular inside the LEGO group, much like Astrid's bouquets, they really didn't have a place in the lineup of LEGO sets on the market at the time. There was no interactive play experience, there were no storylines or characters. Both of these ideas were essentially designed to be displayed. They're beautiful, but not what the LEGO group was focused on creating and releasing as sets at the time. Now, this all started back in 2014 for Nico. So it was five years or so before the LEGO group started looking at sets that might be more appealing to an adult audience. And it turns out, one of the first places they looked was at all of these neat creations made by employees for fun and on display around the office. So it was Carl Merriam that was working as the sort of associate lead on the creative expert team at the time, came to ask me, would you like to work on a Bionicle collection? I thought I heard. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I love Lego Bionicle. I'd love to do something with that. And he's like, no, 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 it's botanical. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great too. So could we take the bonsai tree models that you'd been making and figure out how to translate that into a Lego set? And because I had been thinking about that for around six years at that point. That was something I was quite excited to do and immediately sort of jumped into how can I make a bonsai tree again, but with a lot of the newer pieces that we have at this point in time. Nico spent three weeks working on the new design. The final bonsai tree, like the bouquet, includes the ability for creators to personalize it. Where the flowers of the bouquet can be arranged in different ways, the bonsai shipped with both green leaves and pink blossoms. The pink blossoms, it turns out, add another interesting element, frogs. When it came to designing the bonsai tree, we were looking for like different foliage options for like different elements that could make a good organic shape that at a distance looks very natural. I thought it would probably be unprofessional to just cover it with frogs because that seems like something that would be quite self-indulgent to do. So I was exploring different options that could work as petals. And then Wes, another designer, sort of was passing by and suggested have you tried using frogs? Because I think it could look quite good. So I, I did try it and it looked amazing. It really worked because of just the sort of blobby, asymmetrical shape of the frog. It doesn't look that much like a frog until you look at it closely. So it really did have that effect. We tried just one by one rounds or tiles or wolverine claws. 
chicken legs, I think. Um, all that like had different effects. Spiders worked really nicely, but when you got close and realized that there were hundreds of spiders, that didn't have the effect that we were going for. Occasionally, people would come by my desk and talk to me about something. And then as I was talking with them, sometimes they would just sort of break out into laughter. And it would be because they'd noticed that this bonsai tree model had hundreds of little frogs looking at them. So to give people the opportunity to have that kind of moment of sort of seeing this thing in a very unusual and different way really sort of sealed the idea that we should be having this as this option. The LEGO group released tulips and roses a couple of weeks after the first two LEGO botanical sets hit. And then in the summer of 2021, the company released the Birds of Paradise set. That set was followed by sunflowers in January 2022. Then in May of 2022, the LEGO group released two more sets, succulents and the orchid. And so this is Ari on the orchid. When we say orchids, we're referring to a family of plants. Scientifically, they're called the Orchidaceae. And the orchids are actually the largest group of flowering plants. So there are more species of orchids than there are of any other family of plants. Orchids actually live in almost every terrestrial ecosystem. We think of them primarily as these tropical plants that live up in the rainforests, that they're what we call epiphytic plants, plants that grow on other plants. And the orchid that is rift on in the Lego Botanical Collection is sort of like a hybrid kind of typical orchid you might buy at a box store or even at the supermarket. Orchids are everywhere. There's a lot of them, but we've become very fascinated, especially with the tropical, both New World and Old World tropical orchids and kind of what they look like with those flowers that last a long time. By 2021, it was clear to the LEGO Icons team that the Botanical Collection was a tremendous success. And LEGO Group design master Michael Psyche said they realized they needed to come up with some designs for new sets. The orchid and the succulents were kind of fast-tracked. I had a very rough concept model that was given to me. I wasn't that keen on the way the blossoms were constructed, just because the orchid blossom is very... It has these five petals. They're not all the same shape, but every orchid always has five. And the concept model I had wasn't really being very true to like the biology of the flower. So I had a lot of work to do there. And then the other thing I really wanted to explore was the shaping and the styling of the pot that would support the whole thing. It kind of started on both ends of the model. One was like these very delicate blossoms, figuring out how can we make them feel very much like an orchid blossom. We explored a lot of different solutions. Some of them were very, like, brick-heavy solutions. Michael faced two challenges when trying to replicate those delicate petals, the shape and the weight. The solution was found in the minifigure. The three symmetrical petals on the blossom are built using a minifigure shield. From the get-go, we just said the shield is the perfect shape and it's light and thin. It's going to be amazing to do it, but it has a very bad connection. It's a great connection for using as a minifigure shield, but it's a very bad connection for anything else because the way the bar is made, you can only grab it directly from the back. If you grab it at any kind of angle, it loses its connection because it has this hole that allows you to put a lance through it. And so we tried so many ways to connect it. And I eventually just gave up and said, you know what, we actually can't connect this shield in a good way. So we're just going to build a completely different thing. But it was actually Nick Foss, 
the designer of the bonsai tree and also a lot of other great models. But he he sat with me one day and we just played around with everything we possibly could. And he came up with this connection that uses a minifigure fork going through that weird lance hole to hold the shields on in a very strong way. So that was kind of like the magic connection that made everything come together. To thank him for his help in figuring out that missing Lego link, Michael said he made sure to use little Lego frogs as the detail in the center of the petals, a callback to Nico's bonsai tree and its 101 frogs. As with the other sets from the botanical collection, the orchid relied on a number of surprising elements to create the illusion of a flower. Shoulder pads from a bionicle figure make up the cups of the flower, for instance. They also snuck the head of the frightening monster from Stranger Things into the design. Here's Michael again. We have two small blossoms, and that is a recolor and then a redecoration of the Demogorgon head. That was also something really early on when we were working on the model. Our graphic designer, Ashwin Visser, who's we've been working together since the Ghostbusters car we made a few years ago, he made that graphic. And that graphic is also pretty funny because it also has the frog printed in the middle of it. we got to tie everything together. <laughs> But yeah, that, that was something early on where we were like, oh man, the, the Demogorgon head looks exactly like a small orchid blossom, which is funny. It's not really that accurate because by the time an orchid blossom opens up like that, it's big. So at that size, they really shouldn't open up, but it was too fun of an opportunity to pass up. Succulents are a group of plants that's sort of a non-scientific or evolutionary term. It just means plants that exhibit a range of morphological characteristics that are adapted to very arid environments, right? So these are plants like cacti, right? Cacti are a subset of the succulents that look strange because they can live in things like deserts. Typically, what we see out of succulents are these engorged stems where the stem is sort of big and is capable of storing liquid. That's why cacti kind of look the way they do. They often have very waxy elements on the outside of their skin, and that's also there to prevent the hot sun from evaporating all the moisture off of the plant. They typically have very reduced or no leaves. Leaves are sort of thin and have high surface area, which means that they can evaporate water quickly as well. So succulents typically have less of them or only have them at a certain time of a year. But then that also means they still have to photosynthesize. Most plants photosynthesize through their leaves. So cacti tend to have the ability to photosynthesize from somewhere else, like their stems or some other part of their body is green, you know, whereas on another plant that wouldn't be green. So those are some of the basic things you see out of succulents. In the botany world, we often say cacti and succulents, and that kind of carries everything. Cacti are a family, just like orchids. There's a family called cacti, cactaceae. Actually, true cacti are only found in the Americas, with one exception. There's one genus of cactus, Ripsalis, that's found in Africa. But otherwise, anything from Australia or Africa or Asia that looks like a cactus isn't a cactus. That succulent catch-all is kind of all the other things that look like that from all over the world. About a year after working on the flower bouquet and seeing its success blossom, Anderson Grubb got the chance to design a second set for the botanical collection. Over the course of product development, I think there came a time when we were like, oh, actually, we, we need to bring two botanicals online relatively quickly. We knew the orchid would be strong and the succulents would also be pretty popular. I think it's pretty easy to see on social media how popular actual succulents are. So I think those were 
easy to convince people that we should make those as products. But I also come from um, California. I used to live in San Diego before working here in Denmark. Succulent gardens in people's yards are incredibly popular. I even had a few myself that I also failed to keep alive. So in some ways, it was like, oh, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for round two to make a, another set. The initial designs for the succulents featured the plants in a single pot. But eventually, Anderson decided to divide the four succulents into four smaller pots to ensure more of the pieces would be used for the actual plants than the pots holding them. Well, the pot is not that interesting. So I condensed down the pots as small as I could possibly make them. And then we were just discovering that it was quite fun to introduce an element of rearrangeability, a little bit like the bouquet, right? Like you can take the individual Lego flowers out of the bouquet and put them in separate vases, however you'd like. We don't control that, but this was an opportunity with multiple plants, unlike the birds of paradise and the orchid, which were single potted plants. If we're going to have multiple plants, why not give people the chance to rearrange them in some way? And then I think when we squeezed it all down like that to the smallest possible pot, the succulents got even cuter because we were just really tightening everything up and compacting because you could look at them individually and or put them together and they they would take on different sort of, I don't know, it was like looking at different groups of people, your different little friends, how you might arrange them together. The LEGO group earlier this year announced two more sets for the botanical collection, the LEGO wildflower bouquet and a LEGO dried flower centerpiece. With so many sets hitting so quickly for the collection, it's pretty clear that botanicals are a big hit for fans and the company. Here's Jamie Berard. When it comes to botanicals, it's such a universal gift-giving opportunity that many people have chosen to give them as gifts to people as a sign of additional creativity or something fun. Now you've got something that they can hold on to and enjoy longer. So I think that gift-giving, the creativity that goes with it, it is actually inviting more people to not only buy them for themselves, but also give them to other people that never even thought of having a Lego experience. So I think having those items that are accessible and easy to build but display beautifully are a wonderful ingredient to get people to then take that little bit of time to then realize, oh, I could actually invest more time because I really enjoyed that. And then they might go to a larger set or go to a different passion point. So I think that the fact that we can have those as a very universal entry point just gives that foot in the door. It gives that first introduction to something they didn't even know existed. And then once they're there, wow. I mean, we've really seen just how many people have appreciated the offerings and the breadth of offerings. There's really something for everyone. They just need to know to look for it. Fortunately, there's no shortage of designers for potential future botanical sets, Jamie said. The collection is just as big a hit inside the company as it is with folks outside looking to pick up new sets. We've got some really good designers in our team that are constantly looking for insights and trends. And basically, where is the market for botanicals? And where are people talking about it through Instagram, social media, other sources of insights? And what they did find was particularly dry flowers, were surfacing is something that a lot of people were creatively using them as a medium of expression and just creating really crazy, wonderful, beautiful displays. And then as far as the wildflowers, we also see this trend towards people returning towards uh, more natural, local products, organic products. And wildflowers, the ones that we've chosen, we've tried to be very sensitive to 
their impact on nature, talking about invasive species versus species that are actually promoting good, healthy environments. And our designers are just so in tune with these conversations that they couldn't help themselves but build them and show this could be something powerful for consumers. So it's not just flowers that look beautiful, but they have depth to them. They have a reason for being or they have an occasion that allows people to celebrate something that's important to them. Perhaps the best example of the rising popularity of these Lego flowers and the deeper impact building them can have on people was an event hosted by the Lego Group in Los Angeles late last year. The event teamed up renowned floral designer Jeff Letham with Jamie at the Hudson Loft in downtown L.A., The two-day event combined real flowers with Lego flowers and encouraged attendees to express themselves and tap into their emotions while building unique flowers out of Lego bricks and elements. That was a very first for us. What's wonderful in the last few years is there's a lot of firsts for us. And this was the first time that we actually did the Center for Creative Flow, a tagline that they came up with to find these events, these opportunities, now that we know adults are buying Lego bricks and enjoying a Lego experience, how do we actually have an event that celebrates the ultimate expression of something? And for that event in Los Angeles, it was botanicals. So we invited in Jeff Letham, who's just the most amazing florist in the world. He does the Four Seasons Hotels lobbies. He does all these great sculptural things. And we said, what could you do if you were just basically given the keys to the kingdom, you know, the toy shop, where if you could just use real flowers and Lego flowers together, what could you create as an artist? And that's what became this influencer event. It was actually led by the creativity of Jeff, his team, and a whole bunch of really talented builders, and it was inspiring. When you walk into a tunnel of real flowers and Lego flowers, you have these beautiful artistic displays, these rooms that you walk in that you're just in another universe, And the whole time, you're almost disbelief. You're like, wait a minute, these are Lego flowers and real flowers and coming together? And Jeff was even surprised himself. He's like, why have I never done this before? This is so cool. And to just have access to that and people coming in, it was super inspiring. It's in that way, getting people to appreciate the value and power of the plant, that this botanical collection has something in common with botanic gardens. And who better than Ari Novi, the president and CEO of the San Diego Botanic Garden, to explain that connection? You know, it's just a wonderful thing to bring the love of house plants and the beauty of them and how they adorn people's environments out to people in a lot of different ways. And depending on where you live, there are many house plants that don't like the winters, even indoors, or or are tough in that building. You know, you've got a space that doesn't have good light or the heat blows in a way you can't control and dries out plants. In some places, a artificial plant is preferable to a real plant because it's the only thing possible. And it still brightens people's day. You know, you see something that looks like a plant. It's a good, reasonable facsimile. That, I think, has a lot of the same positive qualities psychologically and otherwise that the real plant would have. And, of course, this has become only more important because over the last hundred years, all populations in the United States and worldwide have very heavily urbanized, right? We've moved from people who mostly live on farms to people who mostly now live in urban environments and don't have the same access to nature that they used to. And so there are these amazing studies that show where there are plants, crime is reduced. If you can see plants from your hospital room, you actually heal faster. I mean, these are real studies. It sounds kind of mystical, but it's actually just science. And certainly from psychological perspectives, as well as social perspectives, 
being in places like a botanic garden and walking through really increases somebody's sense of well-being and their reported happiness and healthiness in ways that have very, very serious and positive implications. So, I mean, these are just all, in my view, really unmitigated positive and wonderful things. And I think it's just great that the Lego group has sort of expanded what it does yet again, you know, into this botanical world. As a plant person, we often sort of feel like plants are, you know, a little underappreciated. They're sort of invisible. We talk about this concept of plant blindness. People don't see plants. So anytime plants are seen and brought up to the fore, I find that that's something that should really be celebrated. Bits and Bricks is made possible by The Lego Group. Your hosts are Ethan Vincent and Brian Crescenti. Producing by Dave Tack. Research and writing by Brian Crescenti. Creative direction and editing by Ethan Vincent. Graphics and animations by Manuel Lindinger and Andreas Hartzinger. Mixing and engineering by Dan Carlisle. Music by Peter Primer and Founder Music. Alex Ayling is our editorial and content director at The Lego Group. Christy McNamara is lead producer and also oversees content and editorial at The Lego Group. And Carol Young-Young is our production manager at The Lego Group. We'd like to thank our participants, Jamie Berard, Astrid Christensen, Anderson Grubb, Ari Novi, Michael Saiki, Nico Vass, and Sina Wiese. For questions and comments, write us at bitsandbricks at lego.com. That's bits, the letter N, then bricks at lego.com. Subscribe, share, and stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks. Bits and Bricks.